Sometimes we are crap at talking about our feelings, about talking to our partners or kids about their feelings, and just soldiering on with the she'll be right attitude. Today, we're going to talk about how we as fathers and as parents can foster better mental health and self-esteem in our children from the minute they're born and as they grow. And I'm in studio. I'm privileged to have him, a good friend, one of New Zealand's biggest mental health advocates, founder of I Am Hope and father of six, Mike King. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Let's get things right out there straight away, right? Yep. Anyone who's a parent, we are all crap parents. Everyone is a crap parent. We're all trying our best. We're all doing our best to do the right thing. I'm great with your kids. I'm great with other people's kids. Why? I don't love other people's kids. I have no skin in the game. But with my own kids, I'm terrible. Like, you know I know a bit about mental health. Uh Do my kids talk to me about their mental health issues? No. Why? Because I'm their father. And as their father, I'm not great. Why? Because when my kids come to me with a problem, I don't hear my babies hurting. What I hear is... Oh, yeah? This little shit's telling me that I'm a bad father. Now I have to sit there. I've shut off. I'm not listening. The arms are folded. Oh, yeah? You finished? You done? No, no. Keep going, champ. Keep it coming. You finished now? You done? You done? Right. Let me tell you, I never had half the crap that I would. You think all of this fell out of the sky, you know? We're, we're, We're thinking about ourselves. Whereas when you're talking to other people's kids, you can actually listen without bias. You can hear what they're saying and you can talk to the other parent and hear what they are saying and then you can find out where the problems are. We're biased. We say the horriblest things in the world to the people we love the most. We are kinder to strangers yeah. than we are to the people we love Against the most. all common sense. Like Against, a lot of yeah. <clears throat> so you've learnt this right, which we're going to get to. You have six kids in different generations, obviously. Yep. Have you got better given the education that you've learnt yourself from what you've been doing? Like are you better now with you've obviously got different ages of yep. kids spanning? How, what's oldest well, to youngest? Look, look, a 37 boy. Yeah. 34 girl, uh, 25, 26 girl, uh, 21 girl, uh, (laughs) 19 girl, and 8 girl. Now, so that's one boy, five girls. Do you know what you learn when you've got five girls? You're always wrong. (laughs) You're always wrong. So I've got three generations of kids, right? I've got my oldest generation, I've got my middle generation, and I've got my baby. And... I think I've gotten better. Yeah. So with my older generation, I was my dad. Yeah. You know. And who? And what was that? Yeah. Don't interrupt me, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. My house, my rules. What yeah. I say goes. Don't interrupt. Don't do this. Did you know you no, were being your no, dad? No, no, not at the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it wasn't because I was mean. You, you can only teach what you've been taught. Oh, of course, yeah. You know. Products of your environment yeah. stuff. And every dad... Uh, you know, every man in this country were brought up with the same rules to being a dad, right? Protect your family, provide for your family, give your kids a better opportunity than you have, and never show weakness. And and, and not about or never it wasn't weakness, it was never show fear. Mm. Because if you show fear in front of your children, then they'll get upset, they'll worry, and they'll think the world's crushing down. Yeah, so course. the first three mean work. You can't protect, provide, and give your kids a without work. So all of us, our first focus is on work, getting money in so we can provide these things and being a stoic dad 
yeah. was just a rule. So I was my dad, my house, my home. You know, you do what I tell you. Don't you interrupt me. Who do you think you are? With my middle generation of kids, a lady called Sue Bradford came along and apparently you weren't allowed to hit the, the smack anymore. Yep. You're not allowed to smack your kids anymore. So you had to listen. You know, oh, yeah, 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 go, go. Oh, you finished? You finished? Oh, no, keep going. Keep going. Just keep it coming. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Yep, done now. You fin- you fin- Yep, good. No. So, you know, it was a pretext to being a good dad. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I'm, I listen. I bloody look. What do you mean? I'm being, I bloody listen. Maybe if you got a little more uh, strict with the kids and stopped letting, yeah. you know, so I was still really the same. With my eight-year-old, my wife has taught me to listen. I, you know, we emotionally blackmail our kids, right? So I would go, my, my daughter is her own person. My eight-year-old Charlie is her mm-hmm. own person. Can I have a kiss? No. And my immediate reaction was, oh, I'll just go and kiss one of the other kids then. Yeah. And, like, I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was funny. And Joe and my wife would go, how old are you, six? What are you doing emotionally blackmailing a child? Who do you th-? like? And I'm like, but, but, but she wouldn't yeah, kiss right. me. She wouldn't, I just wanted to kiss. And so I've had to learn you know, my baby's her own person. Mm-hmm. We don't do goo-goo. We don't do gaga. We have conversations. Uh, and she is part of the conversation. So she's she's invited to to participate in all conversations. She's got no, like she's eight, but when she was six, she had an opinion on Donald Trump, you know. Yeah. I remember one time our dog was licking Charlie's face <laughs> and uh, my wife has always taught Charlie that, she has sovereignty over self. She has sovereignty. And the dog's licking her face. She went, Charlie, don't let Frankie lick your face. And she just looked at her mum and went, this is my body and I can let whoever I want <laughs> lick my face. So, you know, so with my with my older generation of kids, you know, I was that dad with this yep. generation of kids. And with this Charlie – you know, she's entitled to her opinion. She's allowed to say she's, you know, she's smart. And the difference between these three generations of kids is Charlie was never put down. She was told off. Yeah. But she was never put down. With my older kids, I, I, I talk to them like I, my dad talked to me. Yeah. Oh, God, you're useless. Get your, get, get, get your sister down here. Oh, man, what, what the hell are you doing? Oh, God, you're an idiot. You know, these are things, you know, we don't mean to say these things and we don't realize the impact. Yeah. I think with my older generation of kids, they were always scared of me and not not scared of me in the, you know, he's going to. Scared of disappointing you. That's it. That's exactly it. They didn't want to let me down. Yeah. So they would. I don't think anyone wants to let their parents down though. You know, like uh, I'm 43 and I'm still the same. Like you still have that sense of – it's not shame, but it's almost like a, a, a self sense of pride too. Obligation, obligation, yeah. yeah you you, you want to do well. well like I can see it with my five year old. Hmm. Like if he plays well in the little ripper rugby, or does well at school, or reads a word right. Like you can see, they're always looking up to yeah. see what your reaction is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. They're looking for approval. They're, yeah, you know. And and unfortunately, if you're sixty one like me and you're bored up with the values that I had way back then, yeah. You, you know, Dad, I got four tries. Yeah, should have got five. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that pass that? I saw you drop the ball, mate. Yeah. You know, we're not saying this to be mean. Pursuit you of know. excellence. Well, yeah, well, we're just saying, hey, mate, you know, you're a great kid, but we both know you can do better. Sadly, the message our kids get is 
No matter what I do, I'm never going to be good enough for you. Am Which I? is also that classic Kiwi thing too of uh, of that little bit of um, either selling yourself short or chopping you down halfway too. You know, like that's almost a form of that too. Like yeah. tall popping and, and in a slight sense with your own kids. Like, but I think the biggest enemy um, in that regard is ourself. Yeah, we you know we always stop short of blowing ourselves up. We stop short of accepting compliments. Because we don't want to be seen as, you know, we've always been told, don't be up yourself, mate. Yeah. Like I was a loud, boisterous kid, right? You know, if there was a roof to jump off, I was jumping off at first. If there was anything to do, I had to go first. And my old man used to go, stop showing off, mate. Yeah. Just stop. But I was never doing it to show off. The reason I did it was because I wanted to be world champion at something because my dad was so good at everything. Yeah, right. I wanted to be world champion just to get a pat on the head from my dad. The greatest pleasure I could have gotten as a kid was my dad, you know, looking at me in front of all of his mates going, yeah, that's my boy, that's my boy. But, you know, I never got that. Yeah. So it was that pursuit of acceptance, that pursuit of pride from the biggest hero in my life. And unfortunately for a lot of kids who don't get that, they turn on the very people that they look up to. You know, there's a there's always going to be a grudging respect and there's always going to be that need to, to get that acceptance. But underlying that and preventing that from happening is my anger that I never got you know, what I wanted. And I discovered throughout my life, I, you know, I always thought that I was useless in my dad's eyes, right? Yeah. I always thought I was never good enough. The first time my dad introduced me to his mates was when I got my first regular gig on tally. Yeah. And then I was about 36 years old. Dad took me to the Hornby Workingmen's Club. This is my boy. This is my boy here. And that should have been the proudest moment of my life. But all I had out of that moment was, where was this when I was 12? That's all I was thinking. Of course, 36 yeah. is late. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 yeah. Why now? Why yeah. now, mate? Yeah. Why now? So I always thought I had a, you know, I remember. Can you over pump up kids? No. You know, like if you're a new dad listening now and you're like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to be that dad that Mike talks about with his dad. Um, I want to be the opposite of that. And I've heard you like on, on our show on The Rock talk about the importance of being vulnerable. And I think yeah. you've taught me that. Like I've been really open to being vulnerable with our little boys. And um, like I was just crying last week about something that had happened and, and my little fella Tyson saw it. And I remember thinking as it was happening, I was like, well, even though I'm feeling shit at the time, I know in a long way this is good because of what yeah. you'd said before. Before and, and what did Tyson do? He put his arm around me. Bang. Yeah. Yeah. But so, which was amazing, right? Which yeah. is really beautiful and all of that. But then I'm, so I knew the importance of that it was good. Yeah. But then I also wondered too, yeah, like, can you go too far the no. other way? No. Simple answer, no. You can't pump up your no. kids too much. No. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't think we should stop taking scores in football games yeah. and everyone's dolphins yeah. and butterflies. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's just ridiculous. But you can't tell them enough that you how cannot, much you love them or well, how proud you are. You know, here's what we do. Your kids come home, they tell you about five things that happened their day, four amazing, one's bad. What do you focus on? Yeah. What do you mean you failed that mass test? Yeah, Bryce, course. I told you on yeah. Thursday you had to study <laughs> yeah. for that test, didn't I? Didn't I? Oh, no, you had other ideas, didn't you? You and your stupid. And look, look, you think all of this fell out yeah. of the sky. Listen, Bryce, if you, if you don't pull your finger out, mister, you're, you're never going to go to university. You're never, you know what you're going to do? You know what you're going to You're going to work on a radio station. That's yeah. what you're going to do. You and sound like what... Rog from my other show. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we do. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. we, we need to talk about the four good things. 
Yeah. You know, we need to empower our kids. And this is what I've learned between the generations. You need to empower kids. You need to make it their idea. Right, think about this, right? Have you heard of the sheep in the run parenting style? No. No, because I made it up, right? right? So the sheep in the run. When you shear a sheep, you throw it down the run, uh-huh. right? And then it'll hit every rail on the way. But when he gets to the paddock, he thinks it's his idea to be there, right? Yeah. Sheep are our kids. We're the run. Our job is to guide our kids to the answer. But crucially, when they get there, let them have the victory. Yeah. Too often we snatched the victory off them, but you wouldn't have got here without yeah. me, would you? Would you? So at the moment, what we're doing is we're shearing the sheep, and we don't think there's enough time, so we're running the sheep out to the paddock and putting them down and running back because it's quicker. And then we shear the next one, run that one out, and then we shear the next one, run that one out, and then you look around and the first sheep hasn't moved, and then you go and pick that sheep up and move it to another, and suddenly the thing that you were doing to save you time is now costing you time. And you say, why don't you move? Because every time I move, you just tell me off. Well, I'm too scared to do anything. So our job is to guide our kids to the paddock because once a kid has won victory and gets that validation, guess what? They want it again. Winning's a habit, eh? Like in sports teams. They start finding and and then they're proactively doing stuff. When you put kids down and when you're telling them what to do, they become paralyzed with fear of disappointment. And I don't want, you know, so with my older kids, you know, they'd lie to me. They'd give me the answer that I, you know, thought I wanted. Uh, You know, what happened there? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, they would give me the, the answer yeah. and, and it was out of fear of disappointment. With my middle kids, they were, you know, pretty good with their responses because uh, it was different. But with my youngest child, like I said, she is empowered to all, you, you know, she is, you know, and, and, and she's not an uppity kid. She's of not, course. you know, a spoiled yeah. brat. However... She's allowed to question me. She's allowed to pull me up on, hang on, let me play devil's advocate here. Like she negotiates like a CEO. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. With my older kids, money was my love language. Yeah, well, I was going to get to love languages. My love language with the older kids was money. You know, every time they're in trouble, like every time the wife was pissed off, you know, come here. What, what the hell did you say to your mother? Why is she, why is she like, just come to, how, how much? How much to make that go away? Yeah. You know, I'd take them on holidays. I'd yeah, buy right. them all, yeah. you know, because give your kids everything you never had. We didn't have overseas holidays. I never went on a plane till I was 20 years old. Or you know, shoes or whatever it may be. And whatever yeah. it is, yeah. my kids got it, yeah. right? So my love language was money. With Charlie, my love language is time. I give her time. Time is everything. But the older kids, you know, they're like, how come you never gave us the time? Well, that's what I was going to ask. So you've got the different ages of kids and no one's perfect ever. Like you, we yeah. started the podcast by saying we're all shit in our own ways yep. at, at being a parent, yep. right? But you obviously hope to learn more and with any time you learn, you hope to get better and improve, right? Of course. So your older generation of kids and they see now that the love language is time and that in their eyes maybe being a better parent, how does that relationship go? Because for you, uh, for, for a so lot of people, so there's resentment. I'll, I'll be, well, yeah. I'll be super honest. Because people you know? looking in would just yeah. see you as, you know, like you've helped so many yeah. other families. Yeah. Why doesn't he? You know, and and I know for a fact that yeah. my older kids go, "You're dedicating your all, all your time to these people." Yeah, and you know, you never give anything to us. You never give us your time, but 
in my mind, I've given them everything that they need to get ahead in life. So yeah. it's one of those constant battles. Like my, my, my boy, he wrote a rap song once about um, his life. And, you know, how he never got anything and how he ran away and, you know, and, uh, you know, my dad was a drug addict and all of these things. Yeah. And, you know, first time I heard the song, I was so pissed off. Yeah. And I got him over to my house and I went, listen here, mister. And I went through it line by line. You did this and da, 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 and you ran away at 15. You only ran to your uncle's place and, you know, you never got every car that you have ever owned, including the one you pulled up into the driveway, is mine. I got that for well, you. What I he was helped. doing was wanting you to listen to it. Yeah, for, and that was – so that was the thing, right? He just wanted but, to be heard. What I know now, this yeah. is what I know now. Back in the 70s, I was involved in an armed robbery. I was on the – and back in the 70s, there weren't armed robberies, right? So there were three of us at the restaurant. These guys came in. They smashed the place up. We got locked up out the back. Cops arrived um, half an hour later, and we all went off for separate interviews, right? Yeah. Then we got back together and we compared notes. All of our stories were completely different. They were completely different. We all saw exactly the same thing, but they were completely different. So the biggest lesson that has taught me is we can all be in this is your perspective and this is your experience, and who am I to turn around and say, that's bullshit, I was there. Yeah, of course. Because I see things. So I've learned that, and they will learn that in time. So honestly, I've spent the last – Oh, five or six years apologizing yeah, and right. apologizing and apologizing. And I'll be honest, you know, I get those apologies thrown back in my face and it's really frustrating. So, you know, me and my boy, my eldest boy and my, my third daughter, you know, there's a lot of strain there at the moment, mm -hmm. you know. They don't want to see me and I don't want to see them. I love them. Yeah. They're my kids. I will always love them. Of course. But but our perspectives on life have changed. Yeah. You know, they've changed. You know, my son's got his view on certain things and I've got my view. And and honestly, bro, they are poles apart. Yeah. And people are always saying, you know, why don't you pull your son up? Why don't you do this? Because he's 37 years old. Yeah. He's a grown-ass man. Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to be that parent who goes, you have to do this. You have to do that. You know, one thing that I know now, I've given my kids the best that I could provide, yep. right or wrong. I've made lots of mistakes, but now it is time for you to make the choices that you want to make. And I think that's the most important thing about being a dad. We try and mold our kids into who we want them to be, but it's not about us. It's not about us. It's about them and allowing them. I remember my son came to me a couple of months ago and said, Dad, I'm going to do this. And what he was going to do just did not line up with my values yeah. at all. And he said, you know, there could be some blowback on you. And I could quite easily have said, I don't want you to do it. I said, son, do what you got to do. This is your decision. But remember – Every action has a consequence. But I'm worried about you. Don't worry about me. Yeah. I'm a big boy. I will take care of myself. You do what you do and what you want to do, and you will learn from that experience. Maybe not right now, but you will learn from it. And, and you know, that's what parents are put on this earth for. Mm. I've got one piece of advice for dads out there. 
Only one. Don't live your dreams through your kids, you know. If you're 200 stone and you wear Coke bottle glasses, there ain't no way in hell your kid's going to be an all black, you know. It's yeah. just not going to happen. So my advice to all and, – and stop throwing our kids through university to get a meaningless bit of paper oh, that you agree more. can on hang that. on the yeah. wall yeah. so you can say, yeah. look, this is what – Tristram Gotti's got his. Yeah. It means nothing. Tristram works at McDonald's. Yeah. Or, got, he, or he doesn't like what he does, yeah. which is super important. Well, the other thing that we're always doing, why do we always work on plan B? Like I said to my dad, I want to be a comedian. No one wants to see a bloody clown. You've got to have a trade. So I spent the first 15 years of my life, I'm a chef by trade, yeah. working on plan B. There is, you know, yeah. plan A is the plan. Yeah. So what we need to do is parents, men listening, r- listen real close, find out what your kids love, then using your connections, using your resources that are not available to them, try and figure out how you can get them paid for that for the rest of their life. Job done. Job done. If you can do that, job done. My son wanted to be a rapper. He left school at 15 years old. He still raps today. He's not rich. He lives in a bedsit in the city. It doesn't matter. He's doing what What he he loves. loves. It's his choice now. You know, I said to my daughter, you know, uh, she she said, da, 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 I want to go and do this. Don't you want to get a house? She goes, I don't want that millstone wrapped around my neck. I don't want to be chained to a – but what, 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 about, what about the future? What about when you come back? Where are you going to live? I'm going to live in an apartment like normal people. Yeah. You know, I'm going to have my own space like normal. So my version of normal, the quarter acre and, you know, the garage and, you know, the, the backyard with the trampoline, that's not our kids' future. You know, we've got to look out for their future. That's the most important thing in the world. And the only way you can do that is we bring it back again, listen. Yeah. Just listen. Two ears, one mouth is what my dad always told me. Use them in proportion, which I still don't do, ironically, because I work (laughs) in radio. (laughs) Um, I did the opposite of what he said. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you were telling me before we um, started this, which I wanted to get to, you've had two near-death experiences. Yeah. How did that change you as a dad? So uh, the first near-death experience that I – like I've had three major motorcycle crashes. The first one, um, I smashed into a strainer post at uh, 80k an hour Ooh. on Mahali and broke my back Ooh. and hit hit the road and it was like you know um, was it are they sl- just sorry quickly are they slow mo things when they yeah one hundred percent yeah you know I I dropped down into a ditch so the road was at head height that's how deep the ditch was ah, right. and I was thinking I'm going to get away with this shit and then. And then just straight over the handlebars, I held on to the ape hangers and they ended up straight out the front. Wow. And both gloves were still holding on to the handle grips. And I broke my back. Five days later, I went over to Melbourne to play in the Aussie Millions Poker Tournament. And on the morning that I was playing the tournament, I had a massive stroke in my hotel room. And... As I was lying there, I had locked-in syndrome, so I could hear everyone. I could understand what they were saying. Oh, geez, I could scary. respond in my head, but the only thing coming out of my mouth was dribble. Oh, the only God. thing that I could move was my eyes. And in that moment, I sat there. First thing I thought, 
holy hell, someone's going to have to wipe my ass for the rest of my life. Someone's going to have to spoon feed me for the rest of my life. And the second thing that came to my head was regret. You know, I'd spent my whole life chasing fame. I wanted to be famous, not to be famous, but to lift my self-esteem. Of course, yeah. I always thought if I was famous, then all my self-doubt would disappear. Yeah. It never disappears. Yeah. It's always there. My inner critic was smashing me all the time. And I had this deep regret of chasing fame. And I, I was sitting there. You know, At the time, I had V8 motorbikes. I had Harleys. I had big four-wheel drive trucks. I, I had a house up north with a swimming pool on a hectare of land. I had a holiday home in the Bay of Islands. And I was miserable. And I just sat there. And then I went, man, I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd spent more time with my kids. Yeah. So I came out of that and with the new zest for life, I gave up drugs, I gave up alcohol. I've been clean and sober ever since and I've just tried to do better. But life catches up. You know, you come out with these good intentions and probably for the first – I was hard for the first couple of years because I was still recovering from the drug and alcohol addiction and – then, you know, you you start thinking, oh, well, my, my comedy career is over, my TV career is over, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? So again, I ended up focused on money again and, you know, and setting myself up again. Yeah. And then I had uh, another near-death experience two years ago when I came off my bike on the way and got helicoptered. Yeah, and I, I actually that. went to that really dark, you know, where everything was woof, like it, like there was light and then it was just gone just and it was completely dark. And I could still think. And I'm sitting there going, holy shit, is this death? Because, you know, I wasn't, this must be death. This must be it. And I can still think this is it for eternity. <laughs> I've just got to sit here with myself. And again, I came back and I was just saying, oh, man, here we go again. So I've held on to it. Well, as much as I can, I'm, I'm committed to my work, but I've, I've held on to it for a lot longer. I've tried to be uh, a better dad. Mm. The problem is, as I try and heal relationships, as you try and heal relationships, you remember what I said? There's still that pride, but there's still the anger. I'm proud of him and I want his acceptance, but I'm so angry when he gives it to me, they throw it at me. So I think we're at that stage. And, um, you know, the thing that turned my relationship around with my dad, and I hope it's the thing that turns my relationship with my older kids around, is when I went with my dad to the hospital and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I said to my dad when we came out, I went, that's good news, eh, Pop? And he went, what the hell are you talking about? They just told me I'm going to die in a couple of months. What, what, the, what the hell are you? I said, Pop, you could have dropped dead of a heart attack and I wouldn't have got to spend any time with you. So for however long you're here, I'm going to spend as much time as I can with you and it's going to be the happiest days of my life. It's going to be shit for you, but toughen up, buttercup, which is what he used to always say yeah. to me. And we pissed ourselves laughing. And I got to spend two years with him and the conversations that we – remember I said I thought I had a miserable life, right? I remember him telling me – You would, remembered the bad things. Yeah, and he would tell me stories 
that I'd forgotten. He goes, remember that bloody bike I got you when you were 12? Yeah. And I remember the bike, right? Everyone had choppers. Yeah, of You course. know, with the gears yep, sure and do. the ape hangers yep. and the tassels. I got the warehouse chopper. It was so your it, gateway to the Harley. Yeah. But, but no, I got this where, warehouse push bike, right? It was yeah. gold, uh, had no gears. So, you know, and he goes, remember when I got that? Yeah, yeah. And in my head, I'm going, yeah, I remember. Yeah, Dad, I remember because he was so excited. He goes, and remember, remember I hit it in the garage? No, I don't remember. Yeah, 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 I remember that. And I opened the garage door and I went, yeah, 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 of course I remember, Dad. And then you started crying and I started crying and I'm going, what the hell is this? And then I looked at my dad and tears are running down his face. And I've never seen my dad cry. Tears are running down his face. So I know it's a true story. And at that point there, I understood that because of the way I felt about myself, because of this lingering doubt that I'd had my whole life, I'd never remembered any of the good things. Yeah, right. I only remembered Amazing. the bad things. So from there, he would show me photos of me and him as a kid and, you know, I'm laughing and, and he's smiling and, you know, so it was a blessed time. So I hope it doesn't take, you know, till I'm terminal for my kids to come. Might now. take them to have kids. Yeah, well, oh, I remember yeah. the, when, as soon as I had uh, our little boy Tyson and it was a long road to get there, right, but I do remember one of the first Thank conscious you. things I remember in the first few months of life was just saying thanks to my own parents. Yeah. Just like, oh, man, I yeah. get it. Yeah. Sorry. It was either thanks or sorry. It was yeah. probably the two of them. Yeah. A thank you and a sorry card was what was sent, like, uh, you know, I, via I phone because it was like, oh, man. I heard someone you was get talk- it. I heard someone the other day who was talking about being a dad and, you know, he said, oh, the, you know, there are great times and bad times, you know, and, you know, it's all part of the journey. And this person that was interviewing him said, there's only one thing you remember about being a dad. You're always tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. It takes a lot of energy to raise a newborn, and I'm not just meaning the daily washing, bottle heating, and baby monitors. It can also be hard on the body, mind, and pocket. Well, Contact Energy is helping new parents with their fourth trimester initiative. For simple ways to help reduce energy use, lower your bill, and the opportunity to receive three months of free energy, go to contact.co.nz. Right, we're going to get into some last quick-fire questions, Mike King. Fire them. What do you wish you did more of, and what do you wish you did less of every day as a parent? Uh, As a parent, I wish I'd done more actual time with my kids and less work. Today, even now? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, see, that, now you got me because, I, I, you know, I see what I have to do and I see – but I've only got one child at home now, so yep. I can I – can, I, I can always do better. I have to do better. Shit, Bryce, why did you ask me that question? <laughs> now, <laughs> this is like a near-death experience, uh, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last time Michael joined me on a podcast. Uh, what is something that your dad didn't do with you that you will make sure you will do with your own kids? Uh, he didn't tell me oh, he was proud of me when I was younger. He didn't He didn't highlight the good things that I did. He always focused on the negative thing, and not because he was a bad dad, because that's how he was taught, and he thought he was doing the right thing. If your growing kids described you in one word, what would you hope it was? What would I hope it was? Yeah. Um when authentic. all is said and done. I was authentic. You know, I know what they'll say right now. He's shit. He's great. He's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on which kid you pick. What resources did you wish you had back in that fourth trimester, like when they were first out, when, when you were just starting your journey as a parent? Wow, that's – well, I wish I'd known 
what I know now back then. I wished I'd known that time was the only thing that you needed to give to your kids. And I wished I knew that so I could have left my older kids with better memories. Great answer. You must realize it, right? And you talk about how New Zealanders aren't good at taking compliments and Mm -hmm. stuff as well. But just as we finish this podcast, do you have a great sense of pride though? Like as to how many people you've helped in your time? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, I, you know. And, and like you've genuinely will shape, hopefully through this podcast, right? But more so, I mean, in all of the chats that you have all of the time, you've just been up and down the country with yep. five and six year olds. You will genuinely shape many people, you know, of that younger generation, whether it's the parents or the kids, to do things we never did. Yeah. To tell your kids you're proud of them, to be vulnerable. Uh, to say that you love them, for kids to be able to talk. Like, it must be a great sense of pride, well, even you know, in amongst everything that's gone on. Yeah, you, know, no, you said that you searched your time being young and with your own dad if you just wanted to be honestly, proud and all bro, of that. Like it's, honestly, you, I am very proud of a lot of, of love for you I've in done. this country. I, I you know, uh, I, just, I just hope that by using my experiences that, Dads out there can recognize themselves in my story and know that it's okay to go down a different path. You're not going to let your dad down. You're not letting New Zealand down. You're not letting your mates down. And the key reason we should do this is not because it's something that we need to do. It's because we need to role model the behavior that we want our kids to grow up with. We're so busy telling our kids what to do and we're not spending enough time showing them what to do. Mike King, thank you very much for your time. Love you, bro. Love you, bro.